Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that can allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hey, podcast listeners, big welcome back to Business Growth Secrets. Your host here, Adam Stott. I just want to say a big, big thank you uh, to the kind listeners that have gone and given us some lovely five-star reviews on iTunes and some of the other platforms. It really does warm my heart to know that this is uh, podcast is making a massive impact on you and giving you the lessons and secrets you need to grow your business and really motivates me as well to just keep bringing you amazing guests and keep doing those content sessions to keep you motivated. And when I was at the business show recently, many of you came up to me and told me you were listening to the podcast show. And I thought it was just amazing um, the, the impact that this is this is having. And we want to just make sure that we're coming to the end of 2022. 2023 is going to be a massive, massive year for this podcast. Um, and if you haven't already, if you could go and give us a five-star review, it'd be very, very grateful because that's really the way you spread the message when it comes to podcasts. And we want to inspire more people. We want to motivate more people. And of course, the way you probably heard about this podcast was perhaps a recommendation from somebody else. And that really is the way the podcast grows. And we're very, very grateful uh, for the reviews and the sharing of the podcast. Today, we've got a great, great guest. Um, the guest that I'm bringing on today has got a really, really, really great story. So I encourage you to, to listen all the way through. She's got a great story and a great message. She speaks a lot about the subject of burnout. She gives some really good practical tips on how you can really manage yourself. Sometimes in business, we can overwork. Sometimes in business, we can work so much that we work to the point where we're not actually being efficient anymore. And today's guest really talks about that in great detail and talks about how her life changed through a life-changing accident and made her reevaluate her life, make some great productive changes, and, and now she's gone on to achieve some fantastic success. I think it's a really good episode with a really good message, so I hope you enjoy it today. And if you do get the chance to share this with somebody special, we'd really love you to do that because I feel like this episode could really go and help a lot of people that perhaps are overworking or just need a reminder to look after themselves. Themselves. Having said all that, I hope you enjoy the episode and I look forward to meeting you in person soon if I haven't already. Um, enjoy today's episode of Business Growth Secrets. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Business Growth Secrets. I've got an amazing guest on with me today, Shona Hirons, who's going to be sharing with us some amazing uh, concepts and things that she's been working on. And I'm really, really keen to get to know more about your story, Shona. You've said that you've authored three books. Uh, so you've got three books out, or you're working on the third one right now. Help thousands of people to understand remote working better. Also, 
been a real expert around the topic of uh, burnouts and stress, which I believe. So we're really looking forward to hear about that. And you've got an amazing, inspiring story. So welcome on. You're excited to be on today. You've got lots to share. Really excited. And yes, um, I can normally talk for hours, so I know we don't have that much time. <laughs> so yeah, lots of stuff to share. Lots of stuff to share. Great stuff. Well, why don't we start off with just hearing a little bit about you, a bit about your background, how you got to where you are right now. Um, and and tell, tell us, you know, your story, the things that have been happening with yourself personally, how you got to where you are now being a really successful coach, mentor, uh, somebody that's uh, written multiple books and created lots of great um, success in other people's lives. It'd be great to hear a little bit about where you've come from and how you've got there. Okay, thanks, Adam. Um, I think you're, you're making me sound amazing, and I'm just a normal person. But you know, well, you know, I don't think the word normal actually comes into it. But um, so my, I call it my former life. In my former life, I was a lawyer for 20 years in the corporate world, and I, I often do a lot of keynote talks, and I always start my my talk by saying, "Have you ever seen the movie Final Destination?" And most people have seen Final Destination because. I actually say that that movie is it's almost like it was I need to be in the next sequel of it. But uh, but death is definitely not going to catch up with me because I'm not I'm definitely not ready for that yet. But when on the day I was born, I was born six weeks early and my dad was told that they would do everything they could to save my mum. But there was no way I would survive the night. I was so tiny. I weighed less than a bag of sugar and I had lots of medical problems straight away. And this was like early 70s. So um, anyway, 48 years on, I'm still here. Um, but death has tried to catch up with me ever since. Um, I guess my childhood was pretty much unscathed. Um, I fell in love with swimming, swam for my country, qualified for the Commonwealth Games in 1990. But literally three weeks before I was due to, to fly out to Auckland, um, I had a knee injury, which from swimming, and I had to have surgery on my knee. So that was kind of the end of my my swimming career. So I threw myself into my studies, which I kind of neglected a bit for, you know, for the years that I was swimming. Um, and my dad was a lawyer, and I always liked what, what he did. I used to hear him, you know, on his dictaphone at home doing the cases and thought, yeah, that sounds quite interesting. So it was kind of the path I decided to go down. Um, but I guess also I was pushed into it. You know, my parents were of the of the view that, you know, you needed to have status after your name. You needed to be, you know, a doctor or a lawyer in order to um, to get that kind of respect in your professional life. Um, I don't believe that is true anymore. Those aren't my values. And, you know, I think success means different things for different people. Uh, but my next my next brush with death was at the age of 18 when I got when I was um, on on my final holiday with my parents in Turkey and got stung by a scorpion and then spent 10 days in a Turkish hospital, which was, uh, yeah, not much fun. But um, I guess, you know, you could say a scorpion sting won't won't, bite, won't kill you. Uh, but there was a nurse who sucked the sting out of my arm and said that this particular type was one which could kill you and it literally paralyzes you and I was in the swimming pool at the time so I just sank to the bottom like a stone um but you know that that all ended well um uh, you know after that anyway and then when I stopped swimming I started to get these really awful migraines literally I'd get about three a week and they would stop me from pretty much doing anything 
And I managed to get through the whole of university managing that. And we didn't know what was causing them. Maybe it was stress, etc. And then when I was 22, I had a mini stroke. And, you know, I was always very fit, obviously, into my swimming. Um, and I had, over the next 10 years, numerous brain scans to try and find out what had caused it. I was put on very strong medication. Blood thinners told that it was most unlikely I would ever have children. And at that point, I didn't really mind so much because I was in my 20s. I wasn't even thinking of having a family. So I threw myself heavily into my career as a lawyer and and, and got quite senior very quickly. Um, and I didn't mind that. I thrived on thrived on that. And then when I was 32, uh, I decided to go and do my paddy diving course. And during the theory part of it, I thought, actually, a lot of people who dive have holes in their hearts and their symptoms sounded very similar to what, what I experienced with the migraines and then the mini stroke. So when I came back to the UK, I mentioned it to my GP and, uh, and he said, look, there's a new cardiologist in the local hospital. Why don't we send you there just to see if it is anything? Because nothing has ever shown up as defective on your brain scans. And um, and won't be tied, when I had the test, you could see all these bubbles coming through my heart. And it was a hole that I, I'd had in my heart since birth. But because I kept myself so fit and healthy during my teens and, and early 20s, it had never detected as a problem. So literally within about a week, I was in having heart surgery, having the closed, uh, the hole closed. Um, and within about eight months, I was able to come off all the medication. And literally, I fell pregnant straight away with my with my now 14 year old daughter, who is, you know, she is my little miracle. Um, a bit of a pain in the backside as well at the moment because she's 14. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's when my priorities around work changed. You know, I decided that I didn't want to be that mum who was never at the school gates. Um, I still wanted to have a professional career. And I believed you could have both. But I think part of this was my fault. I think I was brought up to believe that, you know, it's the woman's job to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the childcare. Um, you can have a job as well. And I struggled to let that go. I felt like I always had the world on my shoulders and I... I had this need to always be perfect and not get things right. You know, I had a typical type A personality. And I guess I've only realized that over the last few years. And, you know, if, if things were going well, brilliant. The minute something went wrong, I would beat myself up so much. Um, at the same time, I worked for um, a large corporate company. And there, you know, this was back in... <laughs> you know, the early 2010s. And, and employee well-being still at that point wasn't considered to be, you know, a high priority. And if you did say that you were struggling with any form of mental health, then you were stigma. You, there was a lot of stigma and discrimination against that. So um, I was finding I was working 80-hour weeks just to be able to keep up with all my targets. Um I had an hour to travel each day to, to get to work. And the only way that I was getting any fitness in was to cycle to work and cycle back, which was about 12 miles each way. Wow. And, and then I would literally just sit at my desk all day 
and not move. And I could have a document in front of me, read the same line 50 times, and I wouldn't be able to tell you what it said. And I'd get home 11 o'clock at night some nights, and I'd go a whole week without washing my hair because I didn't have time. Um, I pushed the people that I loved around me, uh, pushed them away. You know, my my relationship with my husband was was not good. I hardly ever saw my daughter. I stopped going out with friends. And then I started to make mistakes as well at work. And, you know, and I didn't understand why I was making these mistakes. But, you know, I now know it was because I was totally exhausted. You know, I was working 15, 16 hour days, coming home, still trying to do more when I got home. And, you know, you're human at the end of the day. But I remember my line manager saying to me when I made a mistake at work, I sent I sent an email to the wrong person and uh, and and I had a disciplinary for that and and he said you need to remember in this world we're not human we're robots and we can't make mistakes and I believed him for a long time I now feel incredibly sorry for him if he feels like that and um, but that was when. I think my self-esteem and confidence was already in a in a bad way at that point. And that's when I had my first panic attack. And I honestly thought I was dying when I had my first panic attack. It was horrible. I didn't know what was happening to me. Um, I just thought, I, I can't tell anyone about this. I feel ridiculous. And and then I'd start getting other physical symptoms as well. Like I'd, I'd get this burning feeling in my feet. And then my hands, they would go... They would feel like they were being crushed and then they would claw in on me like a claw shape. And I'd have no feeling at all in my hands for for days sometimes. And and the worst episode I had was in May 2013. And literally I just stopped for the weekend, had a weekend away um, at my sister-in-law's and actually had quite a nice, you know, a nice time where I for the first time gone out and, and turned off from work. Um, and whether that was because I'd been in, I don't know, fight or flight mode for so long, I don't know. But the minute I stopped, again, my whole left side collapsed. Um, I soiled myself, which I don't, I, it took me a long time to ever admit that. But I had no control over my whole body. And then I was rushed to hospital. It's very brave of you as well to tell it in that detail, you know, it's... Uh... You know, I think... it's, it's, it's degrading in some respects, but the reason I think it's important is because your body has a really good way of slowing you down and stopping you when things are getting too much. Mm. And, you know, and I I hadn't really noticed the warning signs. I'd, I'd gone to my GP once when I was having these panic attacks because they were they were awful and they were getting so bad. And I didn't really understand what they were. And when you go to your GP and you've got a 10 minute appointment and the yeah. GP is looking at his watch every couple of seconds. Um, and I I don't think I managed to explain properly what how what was happening. And um, and then he said at the end, well, you just need to pull yourself together. So, you know, I, I sat in the car and I sobbed on my way home thinking I'm just being pathetic. I, I'm just being stupid. And. Again, beating myself up because that was kind of the mindset that I had at, at that point. And, and I did live in victim mode. I always used to think, oh, why me? Poor me. Why are bad things happening? And I didn't believe in myself. 
either at that time. I just felt really trapped and stuck. And it came to a halt in 2017 when I was cycling to work one day, again, rushing in the morning, just jumping out of bed, getting on my bike, thinking I need to get to the office as soon as possible. And I have no idea what, what, how the accident happened, but according to witnesses, I hit a wet patch on the road as I was coming onto a cycle path and I went head over the handlebars. I was wearing a helmet, but my face took the, the brunt of the impact and I ended up in hospital in an induced coma for two weeks. Um, when I came round, I was very disorientated and, and my my husband explained that, you know, I'd had this accident and I'd been left with a 20% chance of survival. I had a hole above my eyebrow on the left side of my face. Literally, you could see through it. Mm-hmm. Um, my entire orbital area was completely smashed. My cheekbone was smashed into pieces. My jaw was broken and I fractured the base of my skull through the impact. Um, I'd also lost the hearing in my left ear and partially sighted in my left eye. And I spent the next year in and out of hospital having major facial reconstructive surgery. I'm actually 93, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You've got to look at it on the funny side sometimes. Um, Yeah, and then I had my my hearing restored after about 14 months. My eye, thankfully, um, the the damage um, was, you know, was better, but... I guess that was my wake-up call. That was my epiphany moment to say, you know, if this really was my last day on earth, would I be happy with what I've achieved? And my answer was absolutely not. You know, I needed, I wanted more. I'd always loved working with people. I'd always been a people person. And, you know, that that whole, they call it the invisible illness, don't they, when, you, when you're struggling with, with mental health. People would look at me and say, oh, you look really well. And, oh, you're so, you know, you always look so smart and you've got a nice house and a nice car. I was dying inside. I hated my life. I needed to get out and I didn't know how. And I'm not saying it should take a life changing accident for you to to make these big changes at all. Um, But I have dedicated the last five and a half years on researching burnout, working with other people, finding out doing similar things like doing podcasts and, and interviewing people who've had some quite bad physical symptoms and, and then what's happened when they've changed their life, understanding the phases of burnout and in particular working with organisations to end the stigma and discrimination around it and to make employers realise that when you start to put your employees first, and you look after your people, then you have less absenteeism, presenteeism, staff turnover, and you have happier staff, and then happier profits as a result. It's mad to think, as an employer myself, that you would ever let somebody get to that stage, you know, which is crazy, isn't it? So that that is really an extreme extremism of, uh, you know, dedication, but that dedication is actually reducing your productivity, like you said, down to zero, right? You know, I, I'm so. not productive at all. I mean, I, as I said, I would sit at my desk and I could, you know, I would be so overwhelmed with the amount of stuff I had on 
you know, my my to do list. I don't even call it a to do list anymore. I call it an achievement list. And, you know, even on those crazy days, I still can see what I've achieved. Um, But, you know, I guess just letting go a little bit myself as well, learning to say no, I had no boundaries at all yeah. you know in in my life whether i was i was scared of my employer i don't know in in your mind for the people that are listening right now there there we no doubt some people that um and a lot of the time people don't recognize it right so a lot of time people don't recognize it which is what, what obviously one of the big problems um because some people can be you know think they're a work workaholic doing the right thing but actually you're going through it how 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 can people kind of set those boundaries and look after himself a bit better, being that you've, you know, spent a lot of time in this area researching it. What have you found in terms of how people can look after themselves better to protect them from this kind of thing happening to them? The most important thing is take your breaks. You know, I mean, there's there's so much research on this now, and I'm always banging on about people taking their breaks. I call them movement snacks. Now, there are breaks, there are good breaks, and there are bad breaks. So, you know, we are now living in this digitally intense world where lots of our meetings are all online. And even the most intelligent human being can't focus more than an hour and a half at a time. So if you if you're on an hour Zoom call, just take five minutes and come away from your desk. And, you know, don't still stay at your desk and do online shopping or go and reach for the unhealthy snacks. Come away and move. And, you know, and I I will often people say to me, what do you do in your five minute breaks? We're all different. Um, But, you know, my favorite thing to do is come away, go into another room, put one of my favorite songs on and dance and sing around the room like an idiot for five minutes. But I feel so much better. And, um, And I was talking to someone last week, actually. And and, you know, he was saying, well, he's got so much to do now at work every day that he stopped doing his workouts and he used to go to the gym at 5am every day but now can't do that I don't like the word can't but I said to him well look you can even do a total body workout in just three minutes so my side hustle I work as a personal trainer and I've done that for for quite a few years for about nine years now and you can just you don't need equipment you don't have to have equipment but if you have got some some dumbbells or kettlebells great but you can you can set your time of three minutes, come up from your desk, do 12 wall presses, 12 jump squats, followed by 12 burpees, and then keep repeating that process. And believe me, you will finish that three minutes and your heart rate will be up. You'll feel better. You'll come back to whatever task you've been doing and you will focus a lot more as well. And there is scientific evidence to prove that. Um, in fact, Microsoft did a great experiment about a year ago um, where they actually show what having breaks and not having breaks does to your brain. And I just found that so interesting. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I think it's really important to get up and move, isn't it? hundred percent and just get, get around, of course. Um, and, it, and you mentioned boundaries, right? So we were talking about boundaries. Um, I think a lot of people, from what I've seen, um, and obviously training thousands of business owners and entrepreneurs, you see it a lot. A lot of people really can't break the chains of addiction to their work. So they think that I need to be working. It's like guilt. There's a lot of guilt attached to it. And they can't, you know, I actually had a guy in the other day, um, one of my one of my good clients, and he was talking about exactly that. And he, he was just talking 
about how he doesn't feel he's real conversation we had. He said, I do not feel happy at all if I'm not working on my business in the moment. I just don't feel happy. And I and I explained to him that, you know, you've got to break the chains of that addiction because and and you need to find some other things that make you happy and make you small. Yeah. Otherwise you're not going to be anywhere near as productive as you would be when you're in your business. So you need to find that happiness somewhere right? However it would be. So you talked about boundaries. How do you interpret boundaries for people like that? Yeah. Almost exactly what you've just said, you know, finding something else to interrupt that cycle. You know, it's not all work, 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 but it can, you know, it takes around 66 days to learn a new habit and break free of, you know, the one that you've, you've been, you know, you've been used to. So just being on all the time. Um, and it's a culture a lot of us are, you know, experiencing at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's, if you struggle with that, just schedule in those breaks into your day. Um, I, do you know what my, my, my a typical day for me, I will put five must do work tasks on my schedule and five must do things for me on there. And those things for me, they might not be like, you know, an hour long each time, but they are yeah. things to help me to that. That might even be just reading a chapter of a self-help book or listening to a podcast on on a when I'm out for a dog walk. But I will I will always as well be be true to the times where you're going to start work and finish work. So my diary is open between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. I don't work 12 hour days, but I don't work after eight or before eight. So I will always make sure I do what I call a fake commute before I start work. You know, I work from home and you it's getting into that mindset of leaving the house to come back to the office. And, and I'm quite lucky because I've got a dog. So I will take the dog out usually for about 45 minutes to an hour in the morning. And but being out in nature anyway, just is brilliant for you know I, I know people say oh it's great for your mental health it is it's great um and we've had snow here this week and that's been like so lovely and watching the dog running around she's never seen snow before so like watching her rolling in it and jumping about and trying to eat it and it was you know it's been lovely and then I come back and I'm in that mindset of work mode and I do the same at the end of the day at eight o'clock at night I come out of my office turn the laptop off, shut the door, and then I take the dog out again, and then I'm re- I'm leaving the office to come back to the house. And that is so important. And I find I sleep better, um, I'm happier, I'm much more present. And then throughout the day as well, I will take these movement snacks, and sometimes I'll book a gym session and go down and do a body pump class or something in the local gym. We're all different, but it's important to have those boundaries through the day. And and it it actually helps to speed you up. Yeah, well, make you more productive, right? Yeah. And I think it's really good. You said, obviously, you've done a lot of work on burnout um, and, and understand, obviously, having a life-changing accident, but also those other symptoms that you talked about as well, which impacted you so much. Um, but you said you've done a lot on remote working. And in fact, that you've got a new course and book, I believe, coming called, uh, do you want to tell us? Yeah, the book in, well, the course, first of all, is called Taking Remote Control. And I put that together earlier on this year. Um, and that's going to be the title of, of my next book as well. Um, and it's kind of a two part book. Um, the first half is for individuals who work remotely, 
and basically struggle with those boundaries. So literally just get out of bed, start work, sit at their desk all day, don't move. You know, they get to the end of the day, they've done 400 steps. And and they they every one of them that I speak to says that, you know, they struggle with their productivity. They're always tired in the afternoon. Um, they're working more hours now that they're working from home. And, you know, there, there's all sorts of research out there to say things like remote working makes you more productive. It depends on the person. It depends if they have those boundaries. And, you know, I, I don't see that. There was there was one I was listening to a podcast recently and they said, oh, it's good because absenteeism numbers have gone down since people have been working remotely. However, if you look between that, when you work from home, people aren't phoning in sick as much as they would have done if they had to go to the office. They're getting up and getting on with it. And I spoke to a to a, a guy from India um, a few months back and he had COVID and he had it quite badly. And he really struggled to, to breathe and talk and he was out of breath when he was talking. And, and he carried on working throughout. And then he made a mistake and he was put onto a performance improvement plan. And I said, well, how present do you actually think you were when you when you were working? And he admitted he, he hardly got anything done. He started to make mistakes. He was snappy and he isn't normally snappy. And all he wanted to do was sleep. If he worked in an office, would he be going in? Probably not. So where so this is where the second part of my book comes in is managers it starts with the managers and the leadership you know you need managers to be able to say don't work if you're not yeah. fit to um, someone else i spoke to last week he's, he's come, they, they've got an unlimited leave policy where they work which you know on the tin sounds great not if you're not taking your leave it's not so he actually said to me he hasn't taken a single day off all year and he's really starting to feel it and i said Right. Well, okay. Part of that is down to you because you you can't yeah, put some yeah. time off, and I've told him to go and find him and book something. But also, his manager should be encouraging him to take that time off, and you know, maybe saying, "Look, you know, even if, during the first quarter of the year, I notice you haven't booked any time off yet, or you've got any booked off coming up." So, really encourage people to do that. So. There's a reason why, you know, in, in, in Europe, in the UK, we have a, a limit, a, a minimum amount of time that we have to have off every year. And that's because you need to have that rest. Absolutely. You know, all, all absolutely valid points. So, so what would you say in terms of, you know, uh, growth secrets for employers? So you can look at it in two ways, either an employer, but I'm almost looking at the business owner when I'm talking to you and saying, Hey, you know, the business owner, what can they do? to manage themselves better? If you were to give three tips to a, a business owner to manage themselves better, to handle this, to look after themselves better, what would your three tips be? I think first one is being aware of, you know, obvious behaviour changes in yourself or if you've got a partner or a friend who's, who's noticing it. And, you know, that that is probably one of the first signs of burnout is noticing those, those behaviour changes, be, becoming withdrawn and losing interest in things. So, you know, I mentioned earlier on about having five must do work tasks in your on your calendar at once and then five must do things to do for yourself. That's not selfish. 
it actually will make you more productive and a better person to be around. So that's that's one tip I would oh, say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the second one is to have a number of coping mechanisms, coping strategies to, to go to. So when you're starting to feel a bit overwhelmed, um, you know, recognize that step away have something that you can go to that will you know make you feel happy you said that earlier on and again we're all different you know I mean I, I'm quite happy pounding the streets of Portishead where I live um my husband for example that would be his worst nightmare so he'll go into the garage and take the car apart and put it back together again but that's his way we all need to have something to help us decompress really important and the third one is talk talk to someone don't mm. feel like you know it's all on your shoulders the best thing I did was finally talk to someone and when I mean talk to someone someone that you can trust someone who's not going to judge you and you know I, I've spoken to some very very senior leaders over the past year in particular and you know you you look at them and you look at what they do in their jobs they're, they're quite you know serious business owners or they they're the ceo of a, a really large thriving company and you you, you have them on this pedestal because you think oh wow you know you've got it all but no they have no boundaries at all they're burnt out and they come to me and ask me to help them to you know figure out what these coping strategies are what i mean everyone says oh i love the idea of, of a fake commute and movement snacks i like these little phrases that I come out with but they they stick in people's minds yeah absolutely look I, I think it's been absolutely amazing and really vital stuff for, for people listening business owners or anyone listening that wants to get that balance I think it's really important because it's only going to help them to be more productive anyway and I do think it is just breaking that chains of addiction and actually switching things up and, you know, putting habits in place that can help you to, to, to create better results for sure. You know, endorse everything that you've said. So how would people get in touch with you, Shona, if they wanted to have a chat with you or they know somebody, um, that they, you know, might need some help with this? How could people get in touch with you? What's the best place for them to go? So I've, I've, I'm present on LinkedIn every day. I add posts on there. I'm, I add value. So either direct message me on there, um, or my, um, through my website as well, I've got a contact me um, page, which my business is called Mindset in Motion, um, or email as well. So my email address is shona.hirons, H-I-R-O-N-S, at mindset-in-motion.co.uk. Perfect. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on today. You've added some massive value. You know, I think this conversation will have really hit home for a lot of people and hopefully made some people aware also for the future so they can manage themselves better. So thanks very much for coming on. And of course, if you've been listening today and you've been enjoying the uh, podcast, make sure if you haven't already to go and share this with somebody, you know, take the copy link, go and share this with somebody that could get some value from this conversation. There's some great tips in there. And that's the way this podcast grows by getting that shared out there. So go and help somebody out today, get some good karma back in your life by sharing this episode with somebody that this could help. Uh, thanks again, Shona. You've been absolutely amazing. Loved having you on. And uh, thanks, everybody. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Business Growth Secrets. Thanks,
Hey everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.